I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The World Cricket Show is proudly supported by Newbury Cricket, quality bat makers since 1919. It's good. It's very husky. (laughs) We're sorry. The number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the world's cricket show, the world's favourite cricket show, stumbling headfirst into yet another episode despite rather devastating popular demand. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'll be your host tonight and this little fella is Tony Kerr. Hey, how's it going this week? Uh, Good thanks, yeah, what's up? Are you ready for this? You you uh, you in the right frame of mind and the right bodily state for this podcast? Just about. <laughs> On the way here, uh, you messaged me to say, should I eat something? And I said, yes. And I got here and said, did you eat something? And you said, no. Uh, and described yourself as being on the edge. <laughs> <laughs> so that seems that seems a good place to be going into a you know, rather lengthy podcast recording. Yeah. On the edge, I mean, it's, yeah, I like to live on the edge, you know, as you, you know, but um, not when it comes to food. <laughs> no. I like to very much be away from the edge. Uh, yeah. So don't be surprised if Tony gets increasingly crabby as this episode goes on. So I suppose we should uh, try and try and make it quick before you, you really lose your temper, Tony. Um, Throw my bat at you. Exactly. We've got a lot of cricket to talk about today. Lots of, uh, lots of different stuff. Everyone's favourite topic, the hundred. We need to talk about that. Uh, we need to talk about some T20s as well. So many formats of the game. So many beloved formats of the game to get stuck into because there's been a lot of T20 happening. The T20 World Cup qualifier has been going on in the UAE. And I know you've got a lot to say about that. And speaking of T20, England are in New Zealand about to launch into a, a five-match T20 series. So we'll be talking about that as well. And we'll be talking about some test cricket too, heading over to India uh, where South Africa have just been given a, a bit of a walloping. So yeah, let's uh, let's crack on then, shall we, Tone? Let's start with the 100, because the 100 is real, Tone. That's my main headline. The 100 is happening. Uh, it's all systems go for next summer. Uh, we now know the makeup of the teams. We know the, the personnel, the squads of all the teams, because we had the draft last week. A lot of money splashed around. A lot of big names. Uh, I was going to say bought and sold, but just bought. We'll talk about those squads in a minute, and you know perhaps how it's how it's shaping up on the field. Uh, but let's let's just start by uh, by talking about the draft and and how that went and and what we make of it all at this point. I mean, I, I'm going to throw over to you, really, Tim, because to be honest, it's. Uh, it's difficult to fathom the depth of my lack of interest in the hundred at this point. It's a sort of uh, Marianas trench of disinterest. Um, so I didn't watch the draft live. I have now watched bits and pieces of it on YouTube. You watched the whole thing, I think. Uh, fake news. Now I watched the first hour and a bit, I think, okay. and then I then I also got dragged away. I mean, that in itself perhaps tells you. You know, one of the problems we might speak about that you watched yeah. the first hour and a bit and that, that was, you know, that was barely scratching the surface. Um, but yeah, what did you make of it, Tony? Are you, are you any more excited about the 100 now than you were last week? <laughs> I don't know, really. Well, I texted you uh, excitedly being like, oh, you're going to watch the 100 draft tonight. And you were like, what? <laughs> Didn't even know it was on. Nah. So I was a bit disappointed. You really killed my buzz mm. that I was trying to get from this. Uh, yeah, it was interesting, wasn't it? It was interesting. I mean, the whole thing is getting fleshed out a bit now. Like, I, and I, there is, there's various layers, aren't there, to the, the debate about the 100. I think you'll say you've got, you know, the the format is a bit of a ruse. Like, it's just, it's you know, it's not really that different. You know, obviously the players are the same. Or, you know, certainly we're familiar with the players. Yeah, it's a familiar concept. 
and you know a lot of the debate this week particularly hasn't it has been about what that continues to go on is about the impact on county cricket and just and kind of you know how various uh quarters of of, english cricket are getting shafted by this and and others are are gonna you know profit so uh, yeah i don't know i mean on, on a purely kind of tournament you know as a as a spectacle the draft was interesting um you know when you think about the hundred as uh, and all the sort of marketing bump that has kind of been spoken about or, or written about it. You know, and the build up about it making you know cricket more easy to understand for mums and and toddlers. Um, you know, it, it's quite a complicated concept. The well, relatively complicated concept. The draft. For mums and idiots, I think was like, the uh, yeah, mums and, idiots, the yeah. Yeah. Mum, uh, mums and morons is who they're going after. Like I don't think. I can see why they televised it because it's an opportunity to uh, to build a bit of buzz. But you know, this is very much for hardcore cricket fans. You know, as a, as a TV spectacle, it was it was it was interesting. Uh, I, I mean, I haven't really seen any drafts before. I don't think you know. I remember seeing clips of the IPL draws of of yesteryear, uh, and it was kind of you know, it's like a bunch of kind of guys at a table yesteryear kind of, <laughs> from the olden days yeah. yeah uh you know sticking hand up and it was more sort of bidding wasn't it, it was an auction was it an auction yeah was an it, auction, yeah. it was an auction. auction um so you know if you didn't see it basically they had a kind of studio setup uh or sort of a, you know a sofa setup some a studio audience who didn't really get involved at all at no, any I point don't know they what just that was about stood there looking pretty nonplussed it was quite a long time i don't know if they stood there the whole time because I, I tuned out but if they're pretty impressive, it was kind of a Top Gear style kind of studio setup, and then they had the uh, eight um, coaches, and then you know it sat in these little pods representing, or yeah, for each team, kind of along this I don't know, almost like well, I don't, studio, I guess is what you call it, but just in a line basically with mm-hmm. their kind of analysts and stuff. But yeah, the, the whole thing dragged on, you know, an unbelievable amount. Like it was quite interesting. It was relatively interesting when they're, they're making their first picks and the, you know, the names coming out of the hat or not coming out of the hat, the names getting picked are, you know, your Rashid Khans, you know, your, your other players, David Warner, getting picked, yeah, Mitchell yeah. Stark, whatever. Um, but then it really did become quite difficult to yeah. get excited about when less, yeah, yeah, less, uh, when the name flashes up, Oh, they've gone for hardest Phil Yearn. It's <laughs> like, yeah, I'm going to, do something else yeah and a lot just, of veronica mars to watch you know they had a, they had a, some some vts early on about the bigger players but certainly as it went on you know i don't know someone would get picked yeah uh tom cola cadmore would get picked and they'd go what do you think of that and they'd be like yeah good pick good pick <laughs> and then be like on to the next one so it was quite you know it, it, there wasn't really scope to know much more about the players or like why they were necessarily being described as good picks so yeah i mean it was yeah it was a bit of a uh it was like kind of just watching an excel spreadsheet get filled in by some people in colorful pods but hosted by ian ward yeah and i thought you know as a, you know it was it was all right initially they should have just perhaps done they could have done the most names. of the picks behind closed doors mm-hmm. and then had yeah like five spots to be filled three overseas and two domestic or something like that as a as a spectacle to drum up support for you know a bbc televised cricket tournament you know the fact it was on sky and it was three to four hours long yeah i mean that, that's a very good point you made Tim, because that, that, the whole thing that whole pitch for this is about going after a new audience a new fan base that they, they've almost literally said that they don't really care about existing cricket fans they've kind of rode back on that now but initially it was like well yeah we're not worried about existing cricket fans this isn't for them so to then have this in this way shown on sky three hours long that's of absolutely no interest i mean if, if any if any new fans did try and watch it it would have just been completely baffling so the, the only people that would be interested in that are existing cricket fans so it is a bit of a it feels like they're kind of trampling on their own conceit and their, their own point it is i mean that is way too long three hours isn't it it's utterly absurd i as i say i have i have kind of caught- i mean they, they probably you know if they wanted to get that audience they probably should have done it on the one show <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah get get christine bleakley involved does she still host the one show i don't know yeah the, I, I as i say i have kind of caught up on the the quote-unquote highlights so there, there's some, <laughs> some things that i quite enjoyed about it i really like that uh daniel vittori who's one of the coaches was uh wearing airpods throughout the whole thing i was just wondering what he was listening to <laughs> he's just sat there like bopping his head to 
<laughs> the Pixies or something. Well, I think to be fair, he I think he had you know Simon Katic was on the line or something. Okay, so he was kind of getting talked through. To be fair, he wasn't, <laughs> but, yeah, he wasn't just listening to the World Cricket Show. <laughs> yeah, so I quite enjoyed that. It, it made me laugh as well, like the way that they would. Some of the coaches would look completely thrown when it came to them. Like Warren, that definitely happened more than once. Like it would come around to him, and he'd go like. Uh, it, like you obviously can't hear him, but he looks like saying, "Oh, geez, oh," and it's like I don't know. That, it was about they picked about th- about three players had come out of the hat, and now he looks like he's sort of back to the drawing board. To so be you fair, think you might have thought through <laughs> who you would pick if your first choice is not available. Uh, in his defence, you know, having done a couple of fantasy football drafts <laughs> over the years, it is you know it's a quite an unpredictable beast. I think it's quite in theory for those taking part quite fun. Probably not, you know, I wouldn't sell tickets or broadcast my fantasy football drafts live. But No, I mean, it's actually, the draft is actually a decent idea. Like, I do understand why people like it. It is quite an exciting concept. But as you say, like, it's surprising that nobody thought <laughs> perhaps we should only do the kind of big names as it goes on and on into the, into the third hour and it's players that even big cricket fans you know, presumably no, but aren't particularly excited about. You do wonder whether that's necessary to be televised. But, you know, an idea of like a 45-minute draft with just the big names is kind of exciting. Um, But, I mean, in terms of like the whole thing, the whole look of it and and everything, I think you disagree with me on this, but I just just hated it. Like the, 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 the word I keep coming back to is dumb. I just think it's so... The whole thing feels like one giant insult to our intelligence. The whole idea of the 100, the fact that they've changed it to, you know, the fact that it's like, oh, let's make it 100 balls because that's easier to understand because people don't understand overs. Mums aren't capable of understanding overs. Those mottos that you read out last week about laughing in the face of danger or whatever it was, the complete, that, you know, complete nonsense. Um, and then the look of it as well, you know, that I don't know why they've gone for black, it's got a very weird look. And people might well say, yeah, but it's for kids. Or like they're kind of trying to trying to interest kids. But I don't think kids are as dumb as that. I don't think kids... I don't think you need those ridiculous mottos to interest kids. It's not like, you know, uh, Liverpool and Manchester United need mottos about laughing in the face of danger in order for kids to be interested. I just don't... I don't know what they're doing there what they think they're doing so the whole thing the whole concept of the tournament and the city-based teams and the hundred balls like i think all of that is a bad idea but they could have salvaged it or mitigated it in the way they presented it but i just i hate everything about it at the moment i'm less offended i mean there are aspects of it that were bodged like i don't really like you know the the fact that that website kind of popped up with the naf um Mm stock photography and all that kind of stuff before the end of the world cup or was it before the world cup uh, that stuff was just before just the start the, of the you know, i mean cup, like yeah. it was just you know just wait i don't know that, that whole the, the timing of all that they really bodged it I, i'm less offended i like some people have been ridiculing the fact that the shirt you know the sponsor is kp and that there's loads of crisp brands on the shirt and that, that's bad for kids and mm. which i don't really buy like that doesn't really offend me i mean it you know Seeing, I'm a big fan of Pom Bear, so you know that's a tier one crisp for sure. So yeah, yeah and they're does, a sponsor of the show as well. To be fair, and we're not really bothered about any of that. I mean, we've got uh, we're open to cigarette yeah. company advertising it. Arms, <laughs> crisp, anything. anything. World Cricket Show brought to you by BAE Systems. Yeah, uh, you know it, it doesn't really bother me. Like you know, I suppose in an ideal world, there are bigger issues in the world of sponsorship. I think than. Than a, than a bunch of crisps. Lay off Pomme Bear is what you're saying. Exactly what I'm saying. So, uh, yeah, it doesn't, I mean, I guess, you know, it is it is about exposure. I don't profess to understand, if that's the right word, uh, the kids. Anyway, I, mean, I feel so <laughs> yeah. old now. It's actually scary. It's really accelerated as well in the last few years. Like, late 20s, I still felt like I sort of vaguely understood what was going on. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's just, I've it's running away from me now. <laughs> You know, I guess exposure is is a really important thing. You know, I don't know. Do the kids want the cricketers, though, to be like, do they need like a sort of pog bird? Do they need like haircuts and flash boots and Mm. no end product? Uh, Is that what they're looking for out of these players? I don't know. 
So, so yeah, maybe they, they'll still deliver it. They probably want, you know, they they're looking for sort of Instagram stories, aren't they? That's what that's what they're after. They want some Instagram stories. I, I don't know. Will it work? I don't know. I, we're just going to we're we're going to repeat this conversation every couple of weeks. I know, we, the next well, we've already talked months. about it ad nauseum, but I, you know, it, it is how I feel. Like I, people may be listening to this, kind of banging their head against the wall because get over it, granddad. Um, <laughs> and get with the program and that I'm missing the point because it's not for me and that's fine but but I that is just honestly how I feel it's everything about it I dislike from the concept of the tournament to the branding and the look of it it's just so far removed from the sport that I love and that I fell in love with as a kid as you say maybe that's just life that's just culture I'm just a, a dinosaur at this point fair enough and I guess a lot of these things are just aesthetic concerns at the end of the day, but I just hate it. I really do. And, I, you know, it, it's a, it may be a bit sad to see people that I respect. Like I think that was particularly about the draft. It just kind of crystallised it, made it real. And then you see people that I respect, like Ian Wood and NASA and Ishigua fronting the coverage and eulogising about this tournament. And I'm not having a go at them because I know people have to earn a living, you know, have to earn a crust. And you certainly can't blame which some people are doing, you certainly can't blame like journalists for reporting on it. I mean, what are they supposed to do? Cricket journalists have to cover it. No one should have a go at them. Nobody should say that, you know, NASA and co are selling out by doing it any more than the players who are putting themselves forward to play are. But it just made me a bit sad because it is, I think, demeaning to them. To them. As I say, also because it means it is definitely happening and that's just a bit tough to swallow. I think one of the other big issues for me about it, and, it, you know, obviously we talk about scheduling all the time, but, um, you know, constantly through the draft, they were talking about, well, you know, availability is going to be a factor. So someone will get picked and they'll like, that's a bit weird pick. But then, you know, maybe availability, you know, everyone knows about the, the kind of the cricket schedule in it. You know, it's bursting at the seams. So to try and cram a new tournament into it is, I mean, madness. It's probably one word, uh, <coughs> ambitious. But the fact that the England, you know, England are going to be playing during the tournament. So some of the England players are going to be sort of coming and going or won't be there at all. You know, there are other matches going on. Yeah, I, that's messy. I don't know. I think if they wanted to create it, they should have, it should have been a, a shorter tournament to make sure everyone could, if you're, if you've drafted or you're picked and you're committed that you play every game, because otherwise it's just a faff, isn't it? I'm just on the website now if you want to under the more tab uh, there is draft replay right so if you did miss it I don't know replay seems like a bit of a I don't know if that's the right word whether it's, it's two hours 52 long <laughs> uh, but yeah I did, there was there was a, an element though of like those shot you know like the start of the Premier League when it when it began and mm. the, it, there's there's that feel about it yeah I can see that and it, it may well as I say it may well be that that I end up being kind of left behind by it and that it does become really successful with a new audience and with kids and, you know, kids who like their Instagram stories and stuff. And fair enough, you know, it's not my property, but it's not definitely going to happen. It's not definitely going to be a success. I'm far from the only person who is uh, opposed to this idea. And there does seem to be a bit of a view developing amongst people who are supportive of it that, the, the backlash is just basically just people whinging because they don't like change. And that to me is a really strange take because yes, it is change. And yes, sometimes change is necessary, but not all change is good. Like you wouldn't just, you wouldn't like look at Wimbledon tennis tournament and be like, we need to change this. And uh, we need to bring in colored kits and give all the players a motto. And it, it, do you know what I mean? I mean that, that's a bad analogy, but it may well be that cricket does need some change to happen, but change in and of itself is not good it has to be a good idea and this for me is a terrible idea and I've said this many many times but fundamentally I just think they've completely missed the point with 100 I don't understand why they didn't just do a t20 competition if they were doing that and the the branding and the the way it was packaged was better I'd be much more behind it I just don't see how the changes they've made to the format will make any difference in terms of getting a new audience, achieving the aims they want to achieve, and it's but it's they're, they're quite minor changes in a way, but they're enough of a change to just annoy people like me and cricket fans and alienate people. So it does feel like it's sort of perfectly pitched, you know, to not please anybody. And people are also now saying, 
well, whatever you feel about the 100, you have to support it because it has to succeed, which is true. <laughs> but you kind of, I don't know, the ECB are effectively holding a gun to the heads of cricket fans and being like, well, you've got to like it. And that doesn't seem right. In terms of the, the squads actually picked and the, and the names that came up in the draft, I mean, what, what stood out for you, Ten? I know you were, you were paying close attention. There were some slightly baffling picks, I thought. Does it all come down to availability? I don't know. But like Chris Gale didn't get a gig. Steve Smith signed instead, which seemed a bit strange. Obviously, we talked about Smith a lot, one of the great batsmen of all time, but that's in Test cricket in T20, perhaps uh, not quite so great. I don't know. It just it seemed to me to be not quite as uh, overflowing with world class talent as perhaps the organisers would like you to believe. There are a lot of big names there, probably more big names, well, definitely more big names than have been in the blast, like it's a step up from the blast. But there were some big names like Gale and Malinga who were not picked up and there are no Indian players, very few Pakistani players, not many New Zealand players. It's largely Aussies, isn't it? And a couple of West Indians. So they're not like second rate, but it's not exactly all the world's best players. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what the stat would be, but most of these overseas players have, have played blast cricket, haven't they? I think so. I mean, it is obviously more of a concentration uh, of talent than than you get in the blast, but but it's not. We're not seeing anything new. I don't think there's no new discovered any new super talents that they can sort of draft in. And some very good blast players have not been picked up at all. Like you know, like some young English talent, like Ollie Stone didn't get a contract. Jamie Overton. So you know what it's going to do for the English game is very much open to question. I think it's bad news for the English game. <laughs> well, moving on, Tone, let's uh, let's switch our focus to some good old-fashioned T20, some cricket from yesteryear, because we've had a, a, a T20, a very important T20 tournament happening in the UAE uh, over the last few weeks. This is the qualifier for the T20 World Cup. I keep wanting to call it the World T20 when it was actually called the World T20, I called it the T20 World Cup. <laughs> and now it's called the T20 World You'd Cup. You'd get stick for that. I keep calling it the World T20. So yeah, we've had this qualifier out in the UAE. You've been covering this, Tone. In your, in your day job as a sports reporter for ITV in the Channel Islands, uh, you've been covering this because one of the teams at this tournament was Jersey. So you were all over this. What happened? Fill me in. Well, it's still going on, isn't it? Or what is happening, I should say. Yeah, what is happening. Uh... Well, I mean, it's been a crack. It is a brilliant tournament. Uh, like I, I followed, I followed it slightly less probably in 2015, the last time they had this qualifier, um, for whatever reason. I think I might have been away or something. I don't know. Uh, just weren't interested. Just didn't fancy it. But yeah, it, it is a fantastic tournament. You know, you've got 14 teams. The 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 margin or the uh, uh, you know the 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 yeah the margin between kind of succeeding and failing is is pretty damn narrow like the the it's such a competitive field and even if you go back to looking at how some of the teams got there yeah it, it's it's it is the sort of associate world top to bottom is really congested and that just makes for great cricket and you look at jersey they did really well out there to be fair they won three games out of six uh they beat the uae they beat Oman. they got they lost to hong kong which really was the the crunch match in the end and uh, yeah as it as it was they missed out on the playoffs jersey on net run rate so if you look at group b seven teams ireland topped it on eight points jersey was sixth out of seven on six points so yeah razor sharp or razor razor sharp razor thin razor thin margins um and you know jersey only got to the tournament on net run rate uh winning the well, the Europe final uh, just edging out Germany on that run rate. So, uh, yeah, it's really exciting. It's a shame, you know, there are a decent number of the games run Sky Sports, but not all. Uh, most of the best games, it seemed, weren't broadcast live and there was no stream or anything, which is which is a shame. You'd think, yeah, it's a pretty important tournament. I, you know, I guess it is when you look at what comes next for these teams, they go through to the first phase of the World Cup T20 World Cup in Australia next year. The World T20. So it is effectively a qualifier for a qualifier for the World Cup because they you know that these you know the winners or the, the teams that qualify here don't all go into the mix to face India, Australia, England, etc. You know they'll have to qualify again to pl to play those, which is not the best way to do it. You, I think most people would agree. Just have all the teams there, you know, in a proper open World Cup style format. But you know that's probably a debate for another day. But yeah, in terms of who's gone through. So yeah, Ireland topped the group. 
courtesy of Jersey beating Oman uh, in their final game uh, to go through automatically. Papua New Guinea were the team that went through automatically from Group A, which was uh, a brilliant story and you know, really popular popular team to have, to have gone through. I think they just missed out a few years ago. So those are the two teams that qualified automatically. And it's a good format. For, you know, have got 14 teams overall, six qualify. Uh, so the top two, uh, the two group winners have gone through. Then you had two and three playing off against each other. Yeah, so that saw Netherlands and Namibia go through. Netherlands beat UAE handsomely. Uh, UAE finished on 80 for nine. I think there were something like seven for five or something in that match. And the uh, Netherlands knocked it off very comfortably, as you'd imagine. And yeah, Namibia beat Oman. So those two teams went through. And then uh, the losers of those two matches faced the teams that finished fourth in the group. So you've got Scotland and UAE playing at the moment. And it looks like Scotland uh, will do that pretty comfortably. They posted 198 for six. And then Hong Kong faced Oman for the final, yeah, final qualifying spot. But so it's a really good tournament. Very exciting. Some some brilliant matches. Uh, yeah, Jersey, you know, for an island of 107,000, uh, yeah, to be competing pretty well. You know, they lost to Ireland kind of comfortably, but as I say, beat uh, UAE and Oman. Um, UAE, who were ranked 11th going into it, had their troubles. They had, I think, three or four players left, or three, three players, I think, suspended for match fixing on the eve of the tournament. Another who just legged it but apparently wasn't involved so yeah certainly things yeah yeah UAE were pretty unsettled but still some quality players in there but yeah yeah that's a great effort from Jersey isn't it to get so close to qualifying we talked about them on the last show but they are a pretty impressive unit now been a very interesting tournament as you say it is quite well set up it's perhaps just a bit of a shame uh, that they're not achieving what they've achieved you know that kind of prize of getting to the t20 world cup doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be playing the big teams you know, there's yeah. still another hurdle and there you know there's another t20 world cup coming up in 2021 so this whole qualification process will restart again presumably you're pre- right over there sorry, a- burping like the jinx <laughs> Uh, yes, yeah, so Gary there's a, Lineker over there. There's, there's another, there's another T20 World Cup coming up in 2021. Uh, you know the the tournament these guys are trying to qualify for takes place in October and November next year, and the tournament in India will be a year later. So they're going to have to have it's a pretty rapid qualification process to get teams together for that. So no one, I don't think, knows what it will. I'm sure someone does somewhere, but uh, it's not publicly known yet where uh, or how that qualification process you know will take shape so yeah it might be that they've got different ideas for that tournament and you know it might be a slightly different tweaked qualification process so we'll see well that t20 world cup as you mentioned is more or less exactly one year away england who are of course 50 over world champions you you may have uh you may have seen that in the news um, they're beginning their build up with five t20s to kick off their tour of new zealand so the first one takes place in Christchurch on Friday. And I think this should be a pretty exciting series team. One thing to say is that the time difference is not fantastic for those of us watching in the UK. I think they all, apart from one, uh, kick off at one in the morning, UK time. The other one at five in the morning. But I shall look forward to watching the highlights with my breakfast. Um, and obviously this this pits the, the two World Cup finalists together again, England and New Zealand, albeit in a different format. So yeah. Are you buzzing for this series, Tone? You look like it. Um, I wouldn't say buzzing. That's not <laughs> quite the right word. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, what is it? Five matches. Will you it? take an interest? Uh, yeah, I'll definitely check the scores. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, it's going to be. It's a pretty tough one to follow. The as time you say. difference is annoying. Yeah. Um, you know, it feels like. Can't a bit they of- do something about that at this point? It's 2019, for God's sake. Bring New Zealand closer. I mean, it do- it feels like a bit of a. A, a gentle way in after the, the World Cup and the Ashes, doesn't it? I mean, it doesn't feel that long ago we were watching England, so yeah. Yeah, but, but the players rested. There are certainly things to be excited about. There's some, you know, exciting new faces uh, in the setup. And Definitely. As you say, you know, it isn't long. It's, you know, it is only a year till the T20 World Cup. You know, and, and you know, given, obviously, given England's success in the World Cup this year, the 50 over World Cup, you know, it, it should be an exciting year for 
for England supporters. For sure. And it's a it's an interesting moment as they kind of shift focus from one format to the other. As you say, you know, it's it's it feels a little bit low key at the moment because, you know, we've well, A, we've just had this massive summer and everyone's kind of taking a breath and it's it's sort of come around very quickly this series. And there are some players rested and then like Kane Williamson is is missing the whole series with an injury. And as always with international T20 that isn't at the T20 World Cup, it does feel a little bit like, what's the point? Or <laughs> like, there's not a huge amount invested in the result of the series. Is what it feels like at the moment. That may change as the series go on, goes on. It is a five match series, so you know, a narrative might develop. But there are definitely some some interesting things to look out for from an England perspective. They actually haven't played a huge amount of T20 cricket at international level in the last few years. The focus has been entirely on on 50 over. They did play those T20s in the West Indies earlier in the year, but yeah, they've just not played much. It's it's usually been like a one-off game tacked on to the end of a tour. And partly because of that lack of focus, their record in T20 is, is much patchier than it is in ODI. So yeah, now is the time when they are going to shift gear and, and, and probably, well, I mean, I'm sure they'll still keep their their eyes on the road in, in ODIs, but think much more about T20s and winning that T20 World Cup. And as you say, there is another T20 World Cup coming up before the next 50 over World Cup as well. So there's two T20 tournaments uh, to sort of gear up for. So all those new cricket fans who've been brought in by the 100 will then be like, what's going on here? Let's not, don't get me started on the 100 again. It, uh, it, uh, just, I mean, uh, yeah, I guess because obviously the, the T20 or the world T20s, uh, as they were known, came thick and fast, didn't they? Uh, a few years ago, there was one every two years. But it, if that, that, that Brathwaite over kind of feels an age ago now, I don't know, it, it feels like a different, like a lifetime ago. It's only three and a bit years. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's a different world, isn't it? It's pre-Brexit, pre-Trump, the bad yeah. old days, Tone. So, so it's quite exciting, actually, to be, I mean, you know, we talk, you know, it's a low-key start to that cycle for England, but, you know, what's at the end of it is is pretty uh, pretty exciting. Like, you know, the, I've really enjoyed the World T20s. Yeah, definitely. It's it, like, it is the best cricket tournament, definitely. And, you know, it was every two years. It They were they're always very exciting. And it, it is weird and disappointing that, you know, especially after that last one, which was really good and finished in that spectacular way that we've then had to wait so long in between and given that t20 is the sort of i was gonna say the prime form of the game it's not you know obviously i don't think it's the prime form of the game but it's sort of the most um eye-catching form of the game and the, the form of the game that you know that there's so much focus on and money in it is a bit odd that at international level there's just not actually that much of it and what there is isn't particularly um doesn't have much context but the 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 t20 world cup does uh, so it's you know it's surprising that it's taken uh, they've left four years in between additions. Um, so yeah, everyone's going to be sort of starting to think about that tournament next year in Australia. And there's some exciting new faces in this England squad. As you mentioned, uh, yeah, we're quite likely to see debuts for Pat Brown and Matt Parkinson who have been the two leading wicket takers in the blast over the last couple of seasons. Plus Saqib Mahmood as well is another very exciting prospect. Uh, and Lewis Gregory and Tom Banton, uh, both of whom have really caught the eye with the bat over the last summer or two. So yeah, some 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 new guys coming in to this T20 team and it should be very exciting to watch the highlights with my breakfast. <laughs> Let's move on then, Tony, and talk about some test cricket. How are you doing? How's the hunger? Uh, it's okay. I'm, I'm all right. I'm all right. I haven't had anything to eat either. I haven't had any lunch, uh, but I'm soldiering on like a, you know, like a brave boy, whereas you're the one who's... I'm starting to think about chicken, <laughs> I'll be honest. <laughs> You're, you're grinding your teeth over there, I can see. Yeah. Getting, uh, twitch, getting twitchy. <laughs> You've got to start eating breakfast. No, I did add a croissant. Okay, fair enough. No scotch pancakes this time? Uh, not today. There's always been a thing about you that, you you know, everyone obviously gets crabby when they're hungry, but you get particularly crabby. I do remember one time, I can't remember what we were doing. We were probably recording a podcast or something and you were really hungry and it was taking a long time to to get the equipment sorted out or something you're getting more and more agitated and eventually went i've got to eat <laughs> slightly psychotic <laughs> yeah um, if i leave one legacy or if i can sort of change one thing in the world it would be just i don't know like we just got to break free from this kind of breakfast lunch dinner like <laughs> cycle and also i just don't, I don't like, know what you mean by that i just don't like sandwiches <laughs> not right. a massive fan of that. Like, i don't dislike sandwiches 
specific, but I just, they don't get me going. They, they don't, don't inspire you. No. So I'd rather not eat a sandwich than... Uh, which is, Wait, so you'd rather not eat anything than yeah, eat a sandwich? Yeah, a sandwich, mostly. Most, most often. What do you have for lunch then? Chicken. Whatever I can lay my hands on that's not a sandwich. Right. Yeah, just like hot food, really. What are you talking about? Sandwiches are amazing. Sandwiches is they're okay. God's food. No, they're okay. It depends. You're... you're I, I don't want to say this because you'll get annoyed, but I feel like you're just not making sandwiches well. I feel like that's the problem. <sighs> They're just a good under, sandwich. What about a baguette? You love a baguette. I do, if it had a hot filling. Yeah, well, make a baguette with a hot, hot filling. Can, well, give me, I don't know. <laughs> just do, all these questions. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah, I'm not really uh, best place to articulate my feelings <laughs> when I'm this hungry. I did turn the spotlight on you, sat on that wooden chair there. I did, <laughs> I did turn the spotlight on as I started asking about that. I can see why you were perhaps were starting to get a bit. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Nervous. Come on, let's get back to the cricket. Yeah, so let's talk about some test cricket now uh, because South Africa have been in India for a three-test series uh, and it ended in a 3-0 whitewash to the home side. So the first test was... I'm not going to say close because it wasn't, but it was a, a reasonably competitive game. India batting first made 502 for seven declared an opening stand of 317 between Sharma and Agarwal, uh, both of whom hit big hundreds, Agarwal a, a double hundred, uh, meant that India were always well ahead of the game. But South Africa batted well in response. They made 431, but then India declared again and South Africa second time around were bowled out for just 191 with wickets for Mohamed Shami, 5 for 35, and Ravi Jadeja. So the second test, uh, India just carried on that momentum. This time they made 601 for 5, declared with a double 100 from Virat Kohli, and South Africa were bowled out twice for 275 and 189. Uh, more wickets for the Indian spinners. And then the third test, it just went from bad to worse, really, for South Africa. This time India batting first, again, made 497 for nine declared and this time South Africa bowled out for just 162 and 133 so India were never bowled out they declared in every innings of the series uh, and South Africa seemed to be getting progressively worse with the bat throughout the series so this was incredibly one-sided it's the first time India have ever whitewashed South Africa in a test series three players scored double hundreds um, so very impressive stuff. Rohit Sharma was the man of the series. He made 529 runs in four innings. He also struck 19 sixes in the series, which is the most by any player in a test series ever. Four more than the previous record, which was set last year by Shimron Hetmeyer. Uh, and that's a, an interesting development. Until now, Rohit's really struggled to nail down a place in the in the test team. He's generally batted in the middle order when he has played tests, often at number six, but he was opening in this series. Um, so, you know, for, for a team that was already looking pretty formidable, that's a, a worrying new development for the rest of the world. As we've said before, though, the key to this India team's success uh, really is the bowling and, and in particular the pace attack and most particularly Jasprit Bumrah. But actually, he didn't bowl a ball in this series. It fell to the other pace bowlers to, to take up the mantle in his absence. So Mohamed Shami... As I mentioned, uh, with lots of wickets, he took 13 wickets. Umesh Yadav took 11 and he's been struggling to get a game lately. So that does kind of speak to the the options that India have in the pace bowling department, which is not 
something that used to be the case for India teams. And they really just kind of decimated the South Africa batting, uh, the, the top order in particular, and yeah, took early wickets in, in every single innings. And South Africa just couldn't get any purchase against those bowlers. And I think the only South African batsman, I say I think, I know that the only South African batsman to average more than 30 during the series was Dean Elgar. So yeah, I mean, India made it look easy, really, Tone. At times, there was a kind of grinding inevitability about it all. And that's something that was echoed by the South Africa captain, Faf Plessis, in some comments he made after the series. So he said, uh, every test match, they bat first, they score 500. I should be doing this South African accent, really, shouldn't I? They declare when it's dark. They get three wickets when it's dark. And when day three starts, you're under pressure. I lost it. And when day three starts, you're under pressure. So yeah, sort of a comment about the toss and hmm, what do you make of that, Tone? What do you make of what he's had to say there? Yeah, I mean, he's pretty much just saying that they played a great series, isn't he? Uh, do you think that's where, where he's coming from there? I mean, I, it's been, I can it's been see interpreted what, as him being slightly kind of resentful or a bit... A bit. He's probably a bit miffed because it's been like probably not the most fun he's had in a, in a, <laughs> in the last month, really. It's not been a great few months no for south africa no exactly and uh, yeah Not so you could probably f- forgive him being a bit cheesed off mm. uh i mean because yeah when he says yeah they win you know they they bat first they score 500 i mean that's literally what they did three times well i think he was saying this in the context of he was making a, a suggestion that perhaps there should be a change of rule in test cricket that you do away with the toss and just allow the away team mm. to decide what to do because yeah india did win the toss and bat first in every single game and for India at home, especially, that is a huge advantage or it's a massive disadvantage for a touring team. They're immediately kind of behind the eight ball. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair because, you know, you look at this as a kind of, you know, something that's going to draw people into to cricket. I, don't, I mean, I don't know what, you know, it's, as you said, the word you used before was grinding, you know, it wasn't, I guess, Rohit you know, peppered the stands, but... Yeah, it was so one-sided that it's it, you know it's not going to be the most memorable contest. No, it's, it wasn't a very uh, exciting or interesting series for the neutral. I mean, in terms of Duplessis' comments, like that is undoubtedly some you know a comment made by someone who is sore about losing, and you know it's not cheating to score runs. Like in you know India, yeah, they won the toss, but they still had to capitalize on it. And there you know there might be an implication, or at least some people have read into it an inference that what Duplessis was saying was that like South Africa were literally impotent, like that as soon as India won the toss, that was it. And if South Africa's bowlers had bowled like India's bowlers bowled, it might have been different. And it, yeah, as I say, it isn't cheating to win the toss and score runs. But he does have a point, I think, about the toss. I'm pretty sure we've talked about this before and I can't remember what I said. <laughs> but at this stage, I do think there might be something in the idea of allowing the away team to cheese because it we've seen over a number of years now that it is really really difficult for test teams away from home and just to make it more interesting because that has been a predictability there's been a, a, a bit of that has changed a little bit just in the last year you know even saw australia obviously um get a result in england but you don't want test cricket to be predictable that's you know it has enough problems or it's under enough pressure that might be something you can do to make the series themselves more exciting. The counter argument would be that uh, ground staff, home ground staff will start preparing flat pitches. Um, you know, they're not going to prepare a green seamer in England if they know that England are definitely going to be batting first on it. But, you know, it, it's something that's worth experimenting with or the idea of alternating the toss, which has been talked about as well, that, you know, you don't toss a coin you, or you toss one coin at the start of the series. You know, whoever has the choice in the first test, the other team would have the choice in the second test and so on and so on. Arguably, something does need to be done because, as you say, this was a quite a boring series. It, you know, India fans may well disagree with that and they may people may well say the same about England winning comfortably at home and in a way that we don't necessarily see. And that's a fair point. But it is, as a neutral, it is hard to get excited about India steamrolling a, a team so, you know, so comfortably at home. And the same is true when England do it at home and when Australia do it at home, when anyone does it at home, you know, it's not very interesting to watch. For India, I mean, yeah, their, their legacy as a team is not going to be defined by their performances at home, which are just utterly dominant. It is 
going to be defined by their performances away from home, which to be fair, have taken a real upturn in the last year or so. Most significantly that win in Australia last winter. Like this is a really good team now, but yeah, it, it, it's not especially, like, I wasn't sort of setting my alarm to, to tune into this series. And they have just done it to so many teams over the last few years at home. I suppose what's different this time is that for quite a while, the one team that was managing to hold its own away from home in test cricket, even on the subcontinent, was South Africa. And that seems to be changing now. Alarm bells are ringing in this South Africa team. The worrying thing for them is that things seem to get worse as the series went on. As I say, they scored 400 in the first test. By the third, they were skittled out for 162 and 133. Same thing has happened to other teams. that happened to England three years ago. It's almost like they... You know, you might say it's almost like they've given up, but it's perhaps more that they're just kind of tying themselves in knots mentally, trying to work out how to play these bowlers on these pitches. But yeah, not a great performance, you'd have to say. And, and uh, yeah, as you mentioned, it's, it's not been a great few months for them. Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough. Well, I guess, yeah, the wider context, you'd say it, it lends credence to the argument that South Africa are in a bit of a rut at the moment. Um, but then again, when you look at the India's results, as you said, they've got better away, but particularly at home, you know, it, you know, teams just don't do very well in India. I mean, mm. where, you know, you're going back, obviously England won in 2012, 13, uh, Australia in 2004, five, you know, and pretty much every series since has been, has been won by India, you know, the odd draw, but you're going back, a, you're going back a decade to, to find that. So it, it's tough to be too critical of them. I mean, I guess we'll maybe know a bit more uh, when they host England, you know, over this winter, they've got a chance there. England aren't, you know, a, a team trying to rediscover something in test cricket, obviously had an up and down ashes. So that's good. That's going to be quite an interesting series. Definitely. Yeah, you're right. You probably shouldn't read too much into a performance in India, but there just does seem to be, you know, it seems to be part of a, a slightly worrying trend for South Africa because, you know, well, there's just been so many retirements. They've lost so many players recently, like uh, De Villiers, Amla, Stain, Morkel have all gone in the last year or so. And there just doesn't seem to be a huge number of young players coming through that, you know, that are players to get excited about. The cupboard does look a little bit bare. Michael Vaughan tweeted about this. Did you see this? He tweeted, this South African test team is a real concern for the game. The game needs South Africa to be strong. And then he said, time for Mark Boucher to take over. Also, why wouldn't you use Graham Smith and Jack Callis in some capacity? Uh, and then unusually, he didn't end with hashtag on on. Um, <laughs> Did he fill it with dot, dot, dots? There were a lot of dot, dot, dots. Yeah. yeah, there were a hell of a lot of dot, dot, dots. And as I say, I think he has got a point because it is probably the weakest South Africa test team since readmission. And that is a concern for the game. But I can imagine that that sort of sentiment coming from someone so influential in the English game is not going to be going down particularly well. Like it's probably kind of sticking in the craw of, uh, you know, of a lot of South Africans because a huge part of the problem is that there's been this kind of exodus of, of talent from South Africa. It's not just that these players are retiring. You know, someone like Morney Morkel could have played on and other players too. Like they're, they're, There's a huge exodus of talent as players disappear off to take up coal pack contracts, play county cricket. There are so many South Africans playing county cricket. There's a, a lot of them were in this 100 draft, weren't they? Like one of the um, icon, local icon players for Welsh Fire, I think. Uh, it was Colin Ingram, who's South African. Yeah, there's been this kind of like like brain drain or, or cricket drain away to play in England. And you could at this point put together an international class team from South African coal plaques currently playing county cricket. And some of them are the best players in the world or among the best players in the world in their position. Like Mornay Morkel, Simon Harmer uh, has been the best spinner in county cricket for a few years. Duane Olafia. I mean, that, that, that was the really painful one, wasn't it? Because he is very young. He just burst onto the international scene and then he went off to you know to sign a Colpac contract for Yorkshire, who are Vaughan's former county. He's got a point, Michael Vaughan, but yeah, you, you do sort of feel like do something about it then. Because arguably the ECB do bear some responsibility here. Not for the law, but you remember when, when Olafir signed for Yorkshire, they came out with this big like fanfare announcement of, oh, what a great signing. And it 
you know, you just think, well, yeah, but this is it's actually really bad news for cricket and there should be some kind of understanding of that. And is there anything the ECB can do to, to mitigate some of this? Yeah, I agree. It's an issue, isn't it? And, uh, you know, when Fawn says, you know, cricket needs a strong South Africa, I mean, that, that it's just the, the fact of, of cricket that there's just not a, there's not many teams mm. that can be, or that uh, there are, have been at the level that South Africa have been at. So, yeah. That, you can't afford absolutely one. Absolutely can't so, yeah. afford, yeah, because... Well, people you, say about all the teams, you, you, you yeah. need a strong West Indies, Sri Lanka, Yeah, because, you, yeah, you just can't, you know, it's very tough to promote a you know, series involving you know, a non-competitive team and the more of those there are it, yeah it is worrying we've we've had this exact exchange before but it is different in cricket as it would be in rugby and you know these sports where there, there's only really a handful of countries that play it at an elite level and people will, will say well yeah the 10 team world cup doesn't help here in terms of expanding the game and that's all true but it is a fact at the moment that at least in test cricket there's only a small handful of teams that are capable of competing uh, at that top, top level. That is different to, say, football, where it can afford for a country to disappear or have a few years out in the wilderness in, ter- you know, the, the, in terms of talent. Hungary used to be a footballing superpower. Or um, yeah, I think maybe more recently, like, you know, Netherlands obviously dropped yeah. off and you have, like Belgium came through and became a sort of superpower almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and Belgium, maybe may there's a golden generation and it, they fade again, but that would be okay because someone else will take their place. That is not the case in cricket. Um, so yeah, yeah. The, the administrators do, they need to be really careful because uh, you know, uh, cricket needs all of its test nations to be strong, really. Yeah. And it needs the same again, probably coming through to kind of bolster it and the, you know, whether that's the case for either of those at the moment. This is why I say the ECB, the ECB bears some responsibility because, or bear some responsibility, and it and they should want to be responsible because it's actually in their interest for South Africa to be strong, for West Indies to be strong, Sri Lanka, all these teams. Because, as you say, it's difficult to promote a series against a not very good team. It's so much easier to promote a you know a test series between England and West Indies if if West Indies are a really good team that you want to watch playing. So the ECB should want to be helping out West Indies, South Africa. But actually, at the moment, they seem to have this very narrow view of what the ECB's interest is, and that is making money for the ECB. You know, perhaps there needs to be more sight of the bigger picture. The one thing to say is that the coal pack situation might be about to change because of Brexit, um, that that law it is an EU law. Yeah, it could well be that from 2021, uh, the coal pack contract might not exist anymore and these players will either have to be signed as overseas players or not play county cricket i mean which would not be good news for them personally but would be i would say good news for global cricket so yeah another good news story from brexit there's been (laughs) nothing but good news coming out of brexit it's just it's a good news story and i don't know why everyone's painting it differently (laughs) uh all right i think that is pretty much the end of the show. So that's good news for you, Tone. You're about to get some food. Is it worth mentioning Shakib? Is that uh, too yeah, much? arguably the biggest yeah. cricket news story of the week, you mean? Perhaps we should mention that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much there is to say. Tell us about it. It, well, it was announced yesterday, wasn't it, that uh, Shakib Al-Hassan has been banned for two years, one suspended, uh, for not disclosing uh, approaches. Yeah, from, from bookmakers. From, yeah, exactly. From dubious match-fixing based approaches I think there's a few weren't there going back a couple of years uh, including some this year as well I think in the IPL and he has you know, uh, you know as part of that uh, the release you know it was it was said that he you know he had disclosed stuff going back about 10 years but but you know there was uh, several recent incidents which he didn't um, inform the authorities about so I mean it, yeah it's it's a real shame. I mean, it's obviously a great shame because he's one of the best players in the world and, and you know, obviously a, an absolute superstar for Bangladesh. So, yeah, it's a it's not ideal for cricket. No, it's a two-year ban, although it might be reduced to one year. Like, he might be eligible to play again next year. I think he will be. I think the second year is suspended. Right, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, assuming that he complies with, you know, with the ban. Yeah. Um, one thing I would say is that I think his statement about it was really good. Like he um, he accepted responsibility 
and you know he hasn't sort of tried to contest it he said yeah his quote was i'm obviously extremely sad to have been banned from the game i love but i completely accept my sanction for not reporting the approaches the icc acu that's the anti-corruption unit is reliant on players to play a central part in the fight against corruption i didn't do my duty in this instance burping like you say like the majority of players and fans around the world i want cricket to be a corruption-free sport and i'm looking forward to working with the icc acu team to support their education program and ensure young players don't make the same mistake i did so yeah he's taking it on the chin and uh accepting fault it hasn't stopped bangladesh fans getting upset about it and i do understand that but it's kind of difficult to that's the rule isn't it yeah, yeah. the rule is the rule and it, it's in place for a good reason it's really unfortunate because it's it, it's seemingly would think not a difficult rule to comply with. Yeah, um, it, like it does. It's hard to see how there isn't something at least fishy about not reporting it. It suggests that you are open to to accepting. It. I mean, I, I'm not saying that about Shakib necessarily, but as you say, why would you not report it? It's, it's, it's like easy a, to do. Yeah, it's like a sort of missed drugs test, isn't it? You know, it's kind of why just i don't know you know it, it i think it's like, even worse than a missed drug test because at least with a missed drugs test i'm not defending that but you can under like you can imagine circumstances in which you might miss a drugs test you can have a bit more sympathy with that than with not reporting something because you can do that at any stage you know just get on whatsapp or you know, pick up your phone and and make the call it's not hard yeah i don't exactly so, know what the process is there but yeah you're right though it is you know it's it seems like and you know you can't imagine a player of Shakib's experience and the role he plays within that team, you know, didn't know the rules. Mm. He's done it before. So I it's just a real shame. Yeah. And a lot of the, uh, the backlash from Bangladesh fans has been, how can you possibly do this? He's such a good player. It is as always, it's much harder to swallow this sort of news when it's someone so good and who you want to watch play. No one got nearly as upset about Sri Santh being banned because you know, nothing against Sri Santh yeah. personally, but he's not one of the kind of global superstars. Shakib, it's much more like, oh, what are you doing? Because you want to watch him play, which is understandable, but the rules are the rules and they're good rules. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, he's free. Yeah, assuming he doesn't mess up again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the ICC says free to resume international cricket on the 29th of October 2020, which is a week into the the World T20, so or the T20 World Cup. So yeah, I don't know whether that means he you know whether he'd be able to be named in the squad and and play some part in that tournament. One absolute idiot getting the name of the tournament wrong. <laughs> well, yes. That has been probably the the biggest story of the week, so I thought we'd wait until almost yeah. almost an hour into the podcast to talk about it but that is it that is your lot i think i think we've covered all the cricketing stories uh every single one of the cricketing stories that are happening at the moment have you enjoyed this one tone it's been good how's life how's life among the childless just yeah just an absolute bull yeah. silly little things that you do no it's just i don't know it's just yeah. easy joy joyful <laughs> uh yeah it's just yeah. <laughs> That's everything I ever dreamed of, really. Yeah. Yeah. How are you doing? Tired. Tired. Poor. Drained. Yeah. No, he's good. No, he's a, right. He's nah, a good... He's, right. Ah, no, he's a good little... He's a good little nah, I'll take it all back. He's nah, all right. Nah, he's all right. Yeah. Um, you're coming around to see him yeah. later, actually. Yeah, pop in. Coming around for a cuddle with Teddy. Yeah. Not Just to be clear, not with me. Yeah. Um, so that's exciting. We will be back. We're, we're going to take a little bit of a break on the podcast for the next month because we're both away and various things happening so we will not be back now until december but we do have i know we've been quite don't sp- delete us we've we've been quite don't sporad- cancel us <laughs> we have well you've been cancelled for, diff- <laughs> for different reasons but don't cancel your subscription to the podcast we have been quite sporadic lately we're aware of that but we've got we've got a plan in place uh, for how to make things easier to, for how to uh, essentially for how to reduce my workload so that we can uh, we can get back onto a much more regular schedule. So uh, 2020 is looking good, but we will be back with a couple of episodes in December, some kind of Christmas special, no doubt. Uh, and we'll be looking back on England's tour of New Zealand amongst much else. So in the meantime, while we're away over the next month, you can get involved on our social media. We're on Facebook dot com slash cricket show we're on twitter at cricket show we're on instagram at world cricket show send us an email if you feel like it world cricket show at gmail.com and if you want to support the show 
There's a couple of ways you can do that. Either on Patreon, patreon.com slash cricket show, pledge a regular donation to help keep us in business. Uh, or just by writing a review for the podcast on your podcast platform of choice, Apple Podcasts uh, or... Is know, one. That's one. That's a podcast platform because uh, that really does help out and, and bring new people to the show. Uh, but yeah, that's it. My stomach is actually rumbling now, Tone. Well, it's quite late now. I've managed not to get too angry with you. I'm waiting for you to wrap it up, I'll be honest. I need to eat! Stay in school, everyone. We'll speak to you soon. Take it easy. Bye! Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.